The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. In down Louisiana, give me a mojo hand. In down Louisiana, give me a mojo hand. Welcome to the Crude Life of Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week here on the Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to thank you, folks, for joining us here on the radio and also on our podcast. Of course, during the week, we've got many interviews that we post on our website, thecrudelife.com, as well as the YouTubes, the Facebooks, the LinkedIns, all the different social media networks we're a part of. And this program right here is a nice little packaged up Week in Review where we take some of the best interviews of the past week, some of the best topics, if you will, put them together in a nice little bit of a package for your listening pleasure. Okay, let's take a look at who we have on today's program here on the Crude Life Week in Review. We're going to start things off with John Lyle from S&B Drilling discusses core values in business and how that principle has allowed his business to grow organically. In addition to his Williston location, he's grown into Midland, Texas, as well as Casper, Wyoming. We talk about how to balance that geography. John Lyle also serves in a leadership role with the Williston Chamber of Commerce. So we get a nice little update from Williston, see if there's any white trucks driving around up there. All right, energy author, writer, and journalist Terry Edom joins the program to talk about the responsibility of the media. He discusses everything from the Chicken Littles of today to Michael Bloomberg's political agenda and open bias against fossil fuels. Terry Edom, of course, he runs Public Energy Number One. He's a writer for the BOE Report, also the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. Excited for the man, the myth, the writer, legend, Terry Edom. Okay, then William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group with our weekly Davis Refinery update. Of course, that is getting closer and closer to fruition. It seems they've been battling a lot of different uh, court cases, which they've won every single one of them. This, again, is a uh, template being put together by environmental groups who are just going ahead and using a template to try to, what is, what is the word, hemorrhage money, so to speak, where you just try to make companies bleed money until they either can't get investors or they got to move on to the next, and they do it through the court system. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, as he gives an update on the Davis refinery being constructed in the Bakken oil fields near Belfield, North Dakota. Major arteries as far as uh, 94, you got the rail there. Just a uh, fantastic project for the area. All that plus much more on today's the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. I'd like to thank you folks for joining us. Let's get to our first interview here with John Lyle with S&B Drilling. John Lyle, S&B Drilling. Well, we tracked him down. The guy seems to be traveling all over the Bakken and into the Powder River, and who knows, maybe the DJ too as well. John Lyle, S&B Drilling. How are you doing today, sir? Doing pretty well. How are you? Hey, not too bad. Uh, now, your cell phone number is from Texas, but you're from Williston. I heard you mention you were just in Casper. How much do you travel? Quite a bit. Uh, I'm all over the place. I, it certainly seems like it, man. You're one of the hardest guys, hardest working guys out there. You must be if you're moving all over the place. So your are uh, S&B Drilling. Tell me about that quick before we get into some of the meat of the interview. Yeah, so S&B is a uh, helical pier installation company. 
Uh, we service oil and gas primarily. We're definitely reaching into other energy sectors currently, but uh, oil and gas has always been our forte just because of the history behind our ownership, which is myself and my brother-in-law and my father-in-law. We all come from the uh, drilling side in oil and gas ourselves. And uh, primarily, are you based in um, the Bakken? Are you are you uh, in other shale plays? Just I, 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 I guess for me, I'm based out of the Bakken, so a lot of times, you know, I see Williston and of course, that's right away what I what, what I can relate to. But Texas, you know, Permian, Midland, all these different things. And then mentioned Casper, of course, familiar with that as well. Just are you guys in a lot of different shale plays, or are you just kind of isolated to a certain area? Uh, yeah. So when we first started out, we broke out up here in the Bakken, and that's actually where I currently live myself. But uh, a few years ago, I'd say about two years ago, we went ahead and expanded into Midland. Uh, we actually had a client uh, reach out to us said they weren't getting the service that they were hoping to get from a current service provider down there and they specifically asked for us to come down and help them so we uh, we actually just packed up truck and trailer drove down to midland worked out of a hotel for a little while until uh we got ourselves established kind of gained traction and then we opened up shops so we've been down there now for a year and a half two years um moved some of our leadership team down there and uh we've since grown and uh something comparable happened with us I'd say in the last year in the Powder River where we had somebody reach out to us again, very comparable scenario where they said, Hey, we're just not getting the service that we were hoping to get. Uh, you come recommended. And we, we went out there, we did a job, they called us back and, and now we've done work so much for them that, uh, it just made sense to start shop there. So last week, actually, we just got our feet wet, went down there, met people, built the relationships, or at least started them, did some, playing around in the powder river and then also in the dj but we're opening up out of casper so we'll have three locations as well established here by the end of the year oh great that seems to be a reoccurring theme i've heard in the last year you know we're getting into year in review interviews one of the reasons why you're on the program is to talk about what your specific uh from your world what you think is the top story for the year energy trend or issue if you will but in terms of just having quality service seems to be a reoccurring theme, meaning that there's companies reaching out to other companies that are dis- dissatisfied with uh, their current, you know, whatever it might be. I've, I, I've heard it in several different, um, you know, sub, subcategories, sub-niche industries within the oil and gas sector. And your story is another one of those that would validate that. It certainly seems that if you can put together some honest hard work and you're not overselling and under delivering you, you you can find your way out there yeah absolutely you know we uh commonly run into a scenario where one of our competitors is uh so large that they do a lot of things cookie cutter so to speak things will be over engineered or uh some corners may be cut and uh, that's where we have the luxury of making sure that that attention to detail and different concepts are brought to the table we're able to provide a little better customer service in my opinion because we're a little smaller we've grown organically and uh we've definitely brought those core values into our team uh one of the biggest things that we do that we we do with every single employee that we bring on board is we go over even during the interview process our core values and see how an individual responds to uh our mentioning core values and the culture within our company and uh we definitely assess everybody that we bring on our team based off of that. We use it for hiring, firing, coaching, promoting, and, and everything across the board is core values. 
Mr. John Lyle, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with John Lyle with S&B Drilling. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. He is a person in this market and now in markets across the country with Hatch Coaching that is revolutionizing the way people approach the business. He's reinventing the way people look at the people model. That's why he brings in hundreds of people from all over the country who are trying to figure out how to do what he's doing in their market. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us here at the Crude Life Week in Review. Coming up next, we continue our conversation with John Lyle with S&B Drilling. Did you say what the core values were, or is that is that a trade secret, like the Colonel's recipe? Or no, no, it's uh, definitely not a trade secret. Uh, we uh, we've got uh, focused on quality is definitely number one, and and you know we we put these things in order. Uh, not to say that one is is any more important than the other, but basically, uh, to kind of come around to what I'm trying to say here is when you're focused on quality, obviously other things will follow. So if you're focused on quality, you're committed to your community. You're uh, uh, obviously going to have safety incorporated in there, so then you get safety. So when we bring everything together, it all kind of works its way up in a, uh, a ladder fashion. So we've got uh, we care, focused on quality. Uh, professionalism. We are uh, stewards of our community. When we first kind of dubbed that, uh, we had said we were committed to the community, but then we went back around and kind of searched for that right word, and we found that stewards of our community is definitely something that uh, we strive for. For instance, my brother-in-law, Clayton Carmack, who uh, established this company with me back in 2015, he's our uh, president, and he's just recently been uh, voted to the Permian Basin Association of Pipeliners um, 
a treasurer position as on the board of directors. And then I also serve with the Williston Area Chamber of Commerce on the board of directors there. So we definitely try to make sure we're involved in the community, giving back, getting our face out there and, and giving back to everybody. And then the very last thing is safety. So it's not to say that it's less important than any of the others, but if we're doing everything else right, safety is going to be involved. You mentioned you're active with the Williston Chamber of Commerce. Uh, the airport, do you got an update on that or uh, maybe maybe share some insight from some of your meetings on what the airport is supposed to do? I mean, it's a phenomenal uh, construction project, remodel project. They moved the airport, didn't they, across town? So the, the airport actually was pretty cool. Um, I happened to just, by mere happenstance, fly on the very last commercial flight to ever fly into Slewland Field. And uh, when I got off the plane, uh, the mayor uh, was actually standing there waiting for us to come off of the plane, deboard, and he was handing out coins. So I got a nice little memento for the last commercial flight flying into that airport. Um, thanks to my wife, actually, Kelsey, she was uh, highly involved in a community-related project for the airport where S&B held a, a contest in the Williston community for local artists or aspiring artists to bring art to the table. And uh, ultimately what we had done was we sponsored the children's play area inside the airport. And with that came the opportunity to provide a piece of art of our liking. So uh, instead of just going out and purchasing a piece of art, we said, let's make this a fun deal for the community to get involved with. And, and Kelsey was just huge in this deal. She went, took the ball and ran with it. Um, she came up with paperwork and, and all of these things, made a legitimate, she worked with the art community, um, came up with legitimate rules uh, based off of what other communities had done in the past and, and influence from the local art community, worked with the director of the air, airport, Anthony Dudas, and uh, several others over there. Um, we got some really good entries, and then we put together a judging panel made up of members of the community. And uh, ended up ultimately selecting two pieces because we had some really good candidates. It was so hard to make that decision. And uh, they just posted that art the other day right there by uh, Gate 4 inside the new airport. So we went to the grand opening of the airport. They did a flyover. It's a great event. Had several community leaders. We had a senator there. Um, did a full walkthrough. There's a new little restaurant upstairs, the refinery. They had great food, great staff, really good people. And uh, overall, you know, it's just nice to have those jet bridges, not have to get off of a plane slipping and sliding downstairs anymore and, and walking off of a nice warm plane out into negative temperatures, things like that. I've already flown out of the airport several times. And uh, overall, it's just a really nice project that everybody came together and, and made successful. Are the Do you know if the energy executives are taking advantage of that? Um, I do know that, you know. I mean, you, obviously, you probably can only a answer, you know, anecdotally. I'm sure you don't have specific stats on something like that. No, I don't have any specific stats. But I can say that, uh, you know, just based off of all of the uh, responses from the leadership at the airport themselves, I think from the outside looking in, anybody can see that the, uh, the amount of flights, the travel that's going through there is uh, definitely increasing. There's been a need for it for years, and even now I, uh, they're seeing an increase to the point that they had to bring in larger planes. So, uh, for instance, this evening, my family were flying down on Dallas, and uh, 
we've never had the opportunity to fly first class out of Williston before. It's just never been an opportunity to have a plane large enough to provide a first class um, service. So uh, just by happenstance, we ended up getting bumped up to first class. And now the kids and I and, and Kelsey are flying out first class this evening out of Williston Airport. That's cool. First class. I love first class. That's um, I've been fortunate enough to fly that a couple times, and I'll tell you what, that is a night and day experience. Big time. <laughs> it's Especially like, the kids. Oh, exactly. It's so tough to go back. It's so tough, and there's a reason you pay a lot more. You know, there is. Oh, yeah. I I totally understand it, and I stick up for first class all the time. When people start dogging on, I'm like, oh no, it's it's definitely worth it. Um, so, and I. Like I said, it's only been a couple times for me, so it's not like I'm flying and profiling and Ric Flaring. So, all right, what do we got coming up? Oh, I wanted to ask you, too, about um, some of the activity in Williston. You know, we have Watford City on quite a bit, and that's kind of, you know, noted as the heart. Williston used to be the heart and probably still is the heart for a lot of different people. It just hasn't, you know, taken the standpoint of that lately so i'd love an update oh by the way the permian uh the new airport down in new mexico they just opened up united a couple uh, months ago in, in lee county new mexico and they're getting more inbound flights than outbound flights which is a good sign for at least some some energy activity so wanted to transition just kind of your eyeballs and maybe even from a chamber standpoint how, how's the energy activity and you know maybe the Halliburton's of the world how are they doing around town and are you still seeing white trucks yeah i mean i'm still seeing trucks around i think the traffic's definitely gone down a little bit but then again you know look at the rig count and uh, anybody can see that that's expected um Infrastructure-wise, I definitely see an increase on that infrastructure. Uh, of course, within a year, the budgets have all kind of uh, dwindled down to a halting point for the end of the year. And uh, We've got plenty of proposals out and uh, plenty of projects awarded going into the new year, so we're pretty excited at uh, quarter one. Things are looking pretty good for the industry here. And then as far as the city itself, uh, my outlook as a member of the uh, Chamber of Commerce is uh, – actually pretty optimistic it's looking really well we just held our annual um uh, membership drive recently here about two or three weeks ago um i wasn't able to participate as much as i would have liked uh, due to a family emergency but things went really well there we ended up with quite a few new members and uh ended up meeting some pretty good goals that we had set for ourselves so what's next for you guys you mentioned casper wyoming that's got to be pretty exciting so a couple years ago you opened up, by the way, John Lyle, S&B Drilling with us. Great story. Organic growth surrounded by some core values. Uh, Williston, North Dakota, the Bakken sprouted down to Texas and then now into Wyoming. That's a heck of a triangle you got going and everybody in between as well. So uh, you mentioned Ca- uh, Casper, Wyoming is your guys' next kind of focus. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So how how, do, how are you going to balance that? You know, I mean, you're going, you know, you you got some geography, man. Yeah, uh, that was a huge, huge um, obstacle for our leadership team, and particularly with our vice president, Tim Miller, who's kind of leading our uh, executive team in the right direction and keeping us focused. Um, it was a, definitely a big obstacle for him to help us achieve being able to keep our focus 
and not lose our path. And, and I think the way that we've done that is by continuing to wear many hats at the very top. Uh, we hold ourselves accountable. We hold each other accountable very well at the top. And as long as we've got good members or uh, management in place at those other districts, which we do really have good management there, what we're doing is as the executive team taking ourselves and putting ourselves into operational roles that we typically would not be in to help grow the company organically, help get a better feel or a pulse for that community. And that was John Lyle with S&B Drilling. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, Terry Edom, the man, the myth, the author. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. And then you will let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Down in the Delta, where there is shelter, no helter skelter, no blues around. I'm on my way now, most any day now, I'm Delta bound. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, it's the man, the myth, the author, Terry Edom, the author of Public Energy Number 1, as well as a writer for the BOE Report, and his book, The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. This is Terry Edom. What do you make of the media's responsibility in this? Because I've mentioned to you before that I think, you know, when somebody says we're going to ban fossil fuels in 10 years, as a media professional, that is a legitimate somewhat of a crazy statement. Like, I I would put them in the fringe category that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, you, what, do, what do you make of that? I mean, you're up in Canada. What, what do you think of that? Well, it, it does border on irresponsible to me, but it's it's all part of the the mystery that I can't really unravel as to how these people get in this place. I went for coffee with a Reuters journalist not that long ago, and and she she's quite she has a bit more of a, a balanced viewpoint. She understands it um, quite green green to the core, I suppose, but she understands the need for fossil fuels. But I was trying to 
discuss with her, like, how come that never gets out into the media stream? And she didn't have a good answer either. It just seems that it's these dominant narratives that get uh, pushed um, by, by I, don't, I don't know if it's just special interest groups or, or, or if the media thinks that that's what interests people. But if you take something like um, the anti-fossil fuel movement, one of the biggest anti-fossil fuel people out there is Michael Bloomberg, who controls Bloomberg News, which is a pretty major news feed, even up here in Canada and around the world. And he's put $500 million of his own money into a fund to um, to get off fossil fuels, including killing off natural gas. And th- that's not my that's not a conspiracy theory. You can find that anywhere. He, he took over, uh, he has a Bloomberg New Energy Finance or whatever his site is called. And, um, and it, it, so that, so it's like, a, it's almost like a propaganda arm against fossil fuels. And the strange part is, like you say, that it's, we're just so reliant on it. And I think the average person sees this. If you actually challenge them to, like, they might hear all about climate change and they're scared about, about it because all of the scientists, in quotation marks, say that it's all, we're all doomed in 20 or 30 years or 10 years or whatever. And the, the, the average Joe or Jane on the street kind of hears this and they get nervous about it, but then they hop in their car and they drive home anyways because they say, well, i got to get the kids and i got to get dinner. Um, I don't have time to worry about that stuff. And, and that's the, 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 um, just the, the flow of life that goes on. And so we have these groups and the media trying to convince people. And I, and I think part of the issue is that they've, they've tried to do what they think is the best thing for the planet. Like these people that really believe we are doomed in 10 or 12 years, there are people that truly believe this. And so they're, they're thinking that they're acting to save humanity. So I think it's for journalists maybe, and they tend to just be biased on the side of, well, I'd rather, I'd rather be fighting the good fight. If I'm going to err on one side, do I want to err on the side of big oil, which has a bad reputation? And that's what fossil fuels are equated with, big oil, big, dirty money, old, rich, middle-aged white guys that are dominating the third world to pillage it. And, and that's the association that the environmental groups have made. So, so when it comes time for the media to cover something, they seem to just default to the climate change perspective, which means almost by default that you're throwing fossil fuels under the bus. And, and I, I think that causes great uh, confusion amongst the general public. Because they can see that that they don't live without fossil fuel. I mean, everybody can see that, but um, there's there's an industry that's developed to convince people that they can. So it, it's a it's a ugly world out there. Are you following this Greta Thunberg story? I think that's her name. Oh Lord, she's been wandering around Western Canada here. I mean, she's just a just a, she's a good example of a, a scared kid. She's been convinced of what's coming down the pipe for her, that she that her future is that she's doomed and, and and the irony of this is it's unbelievable so she she toured through the united states she showed up in canada here last week and she quietly came into calgary the heart of oil patch country here she didn't do any media interviews or anything she was seen wandering around downtown going to the tour sites down by the river she was photographed then she went uh, and toured the rest of the province and i hear she's at a resort Jasper, which is a spectacular uh, skiing resort uh, in the Rocky Mountains, and then she's going to head on her merry way. And it's like, what? What is going on here? Here's this kid on a, and she's a tourist now, and she's doing the very thing that she's criticizing the entire world for. And it's like I said, she's just a kid, and and but the the people that are filling her head with these things have have 
to have her convinced that this duality um, is somehow rational. This, that you can go ahead and be a tourist. It's okay if you want to be a tourist, but everybody else has to quit using fossil fuels. What, what, and the insanity is just off the charts. The, what you said, the real story behind this, in my opinion, is the people behind it is the real story. Yes. Is yeah. why is there nobody calling out the people behind it saying, OMG, you're using a teenage girl as your mouthpiece to use for propaganda reasons? That to me is mind-blowing that that is, there's not a media outlet out there even calling that out. They're allowing a 16-year-old girl to use emotion over science. This is blowing my mind. Yeah, they're not just allowing it, they're encouraging it. They're encouraging it, that's what I mean. This is really bizarre to me, Terry. This is really bizarre to me. It really is. And they put this kid in front of the microphones, and who's going to critique a 16-year-old girl? With with autism. Or she's she's got Asperger's. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she she does get attacked, but th- but that's just th- that's what they want. They want people to attack her, and they go, "Whoa, look at the wing nuts! They're attacking a sixteen-year-old Swedish girl. How crazy are they?" And 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 but then they feed her these lines, and she says whatever. And she, I'm sure she believes a lot of it because she is a terrified kid. Like a lot of kids are terrified. If, if you hear this relentless barrage from the media and from teachers, even at school, and from these. Um, uh, left-wing politicians saying we have to do this or we're going to be all dead in 12 years well that gets to a kid they, they notice that they're not dumb they're they're uh, so they absorb all of this relentless media messaging and then they and then they sort of want to act on it but they don't really want to act on it now you whose kids were uh, we're all upset about climate change and what are we going to do and we're all going to die and he said oh well okay well we have to take this into our own hands then let's let's plan as a family what are we going to do and so this means we're not going on a holiday next year right like there's no disneyland and they're like well what do you mean (laughs) no holidays but people have to start making that connection for these kids like if you but no no one will do it like you say no one will stand up to these kids and no one will like 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 how how this girl is is wandering around she's out of school wandering around north america by diesel powered train telling everyone that we're doomed if we don't stop living exactly like she's living. And she, she's she's one of the 1% or maybe 2% in the world in terms of her lifestyle and what she has and, and the, the life she's allowed to live, never mind all the money she's making off of this or her family is, but just her situation in general. She's one of the incredibly privileged kids compared to billions in India or China who would kill for her lifestyle, never mind saying that it's doomed. Um, and, and she's now a tourist like everybody else, and at the same time preaching against tourism. It, it's just, it defies reality so much that it's really hard to put into words. And that was Terry Edom, the author of The Fossil Fuel Insanity, a writer for the BOE Report, and the owner of Public Energy Number One. We call him the man, the myth, the author, right here. Terry Edom on the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Crude Life Week in Review. seem to see Louisiana I can hear them folks down there singing in that free and 
easy manner I've been a rover But now that's over I'm Delta Bound Historic The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable Hatch Coaching is. Well, don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Greg Tavine of Emerging Prairies has to say about Hatch Coaching. When I think of the world that I want to live in, it's with people that care, that take risks, that reinvent themselves, reinvent their organizations, reinvent their industries. And Eric's a model citizen for that. Uh, he's, he's trying to solve problems. He's trying to bring people into those solutions. He, he does incredibly well, but he lives generously. I think a community filled with people like Eric that are solving problems, giving it their best, and creating an environment for others to lead and soar and succeed, that's the place I want to live. And so Eric's the type of person that's in, in my community, and I'm really grateful for that. To find out more about Hatch Coaching or to have Eric Hatch speak at your event or company, visit HatchCoaching.com. That's HatchCoaching.com. Or call 701-212-1572. That's 701-212-1572. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we have William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, with our weekly Davis Refinery Update. Of course, the Davis Refinery is being constructed near Belfield, North Dakota. It'll be the first greenfield refinery being built in the United States in over 50 years, and by default, it will be the cleanest refinery on the planet, and it will set the standard for new environmental energy going forward. We're very excited to do our weekly Davis Refinery update with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. What's going on with your guys' you know, claim that this is going to be the uh, most eco-friendly, environmentally friendly, uh, cleanest refinery on the planet, which I believe it's going to be. Um, yeah, that's that's been an ongoing story and a, and a very interesting one. To you know, I'm, I'm an engineer by training, so I get very excited about what we're going to do, and uh, uh, our our team is is very very uh, first rate, um, industry wide. Um, these are guys who didn't want to do things the same old way. Uh, this started during the permit process. I, 
I think a lot of people are confused by the fact that we got very excited about what we were going to be doing on air quality, uh, even after we filed the first uh, uh, generation of our air quality permit application. And in fact, we came back in uh, uh, in April of 2017 with an amended application that showed reduced emissions. We we're so excited about what we were able to achieve on the engineering side. And this is just a matter of the fact that nothing like this has been done in 40 years. Uh, last full conversion refinery was built in 76, I think it was. And there's just been a lot of technology developed that hasn't been applied comprehensively in a project like this yet. So obviously we were excited about that. Uh, the permit was, was granted based on that new engineering. And although we were very conservative, uh, in, in doing this, we were able to achieve a synthetic minor source designation for the plant, uh, which again was a first in the industry. Oil and Gas Journal called it uh, historic. And since then, when we get into the details of design, as we've been doing for the last uh, six months, uh, we're going to be able to do even better uh, in actual uh, practice. Uh, so, you know, our, our ability to uh, surpass even what we've committed to in the air quality permit is is just uh, we're amazed by that and and we're very proud of it uh, and it's not just the performance of the project I mean you know good engineering would guide you down this route anyway when oil is worth a dollar a barrel like it was over a hundred years ago uh, your attitude towards wasted hydrocarbons is different than it is at sixty seventy dollars so good engineering does not like waste. Those are all hydrocarbons that are worth money. But uh, the fact that they get out into, into the air is not something that uh, we want to see because we think the industry needs to redo itself and become uh, proficient in, in building plants that can be put exactly where they're needed, you know, not kicked down the road uh, to where pollution is theoretically more, more uh, uh, allowable. Uh, which is kind of strange to think that way, but that's the way industry has been handled in this country today. Um, so, yeah, you, you've touched on a hot button. I'm, I'm really excited about the technology and what we're doing here. Well, I think it's the, obviously the big story. My, my uh, first story I actually did back in 2012 was the Bakken oil boom is not an oil boom. It's a technology boom. And, you know, it, obviously it's driven by oil, but... There is so much truth behind that, that it's a technology boom. It's still, every day, creating new opportunity through innovation. And that's, that's really exciting. But the other side of this that isn't talked about, because the air quality uh, permitting seems to take up a lot of um, uh, you know, media time, if you will, and you know, the innovation and, and some of these things. But the sustainability on the back end uh, kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit from time to time. Let's talk about that, about how this is going to be something that's going to be sustainable after it, it's built. Well, it, yeah, the, the threshold energy to get this project in operation has been tremendous. I mean, uh, but once you get it going, it will feed innovation throughout the industry um, and, and lead to a refining industry in the United States that has dramatically lower emissions and much higher efficiency and lower cost. 
uh, you know, what you mentioned about oil production, uh, the shale oil revolution uh, causing a boom and, and new innovation and uh, is absolutely true. And it has to work its way down through the rest of the industry uh, all the way to the pump. And, you know, we consider ourselves part of that, that larger uh, revolution, if you will. And part of the story there, you know, is, uh, you know, like you were talking about back when you first covered it in 2012, they boom time. But if we recall, you know, when the price of oil took a dive uh, for several years, um, innovations didn't stop. Those innovations continued apace. And suddenly the oil production industry faced with adversity, came up with even better solutions to various problems and became even more efficient. And those efficiencies and innovations have carried through into uh, in a more stable environment. And, you know, same is true of our, of our uh, refinery. You know, it's a, it's a new kind of, uh, of integration of, of technology. But when you look at what the industry is facing, including the uh, recent uh, uh, explosion over in the Pennsylvania refinery and then the decision. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for this week's Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to thank you folks for joining us here this week. And for those of you tuning in on the radio, thank you very much for choosing this radio station to get your news information and just all around good times here on the crude life week in review but again thank you for tuning in on the radio we will be back next week at this time on this radio station for those of you who have downloaded our podcast or maybe you're streaming us on the net thank you very much for choosing the crude life as part of your weekly content of course we have exclusive interviews available all week long at the crude life week in review as well as other original programming and news and features and we're even on the social media i mean we've got like 300 and 350,000 followers something like that in our network between the youtubes the facebooks the what else do we got uh linkedin's that's another one i guess boy we've got all kinds of social media things sometimes people are not so social on social media but therein lies another challenge of life i think i'll just go on without trying to solve that mystery okay that's going to do it folks I'd like to thank John Lyle with S&B Drilling, as well as Terry Edom, author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity, reporter for the BOE Report, and the blogger slash owner of Public Energy Number 1. Terry Edom, thank you for joining the program. And William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group with the Weekly Davis Refinery. Thank you, folks, for joining us. And once again, folks, for tuning in and listening, thank you very much from the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. Falls on foreign ground, and I feel like going back to North Dakota. Take a job, find a wife, and finally settle down. But right now, I'm addicted to emotion. And freedom at my selfish solitude provides And I'd hate to think that I'd become 
Make energy great again. Yes, that is the hat for the energy industry, folks. Wear it proudly. Show your support for the nation's energy industry with this attention-grabbing fashion declaration. Make energy great again. Pick up the only hat for the energy industry. Make energy great again. Visit keepenergygreat.com. That's keepenergygreat.com. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. 